podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Talking Texas Podcast. My name is Daniel. I'm Carl Anker. How you doing? I guess that was to the people. Um, <laughs> we do the podcast <laughs> it was, every it was Tuesday. To the people. Uh-huh. Um, every Wednesday, you guys hear it, unless you're a Patreon, in, in case you hear it like as soon as we finish. Carl, where can people find you and your work? You can find my writing on The Athletic and on the TIFO YouTube channel. Written articles over in The Athletic. I do YouTube videos on TIFO IRL on YouTube. Uh, you can also find me on Ian Wright's podcast, Wright's House. You can find that where you get all your podcasts. You can also find my Manchester United podcast, Talk of Devils, on the <laughs> podcast as well. Uh, you can also find me in bookstores because I co-write books with Marcus Rashford too. So I'm in lots of places. Do you know what's funny is... When we first started this, I felt like you wanted no parts of like the whole football thing. Like you were really into your uh-huh. whole whatever it was. And now when I ask you like, where can I find your work? It's the athletic, it's TIFO, you do a podcast with Ian Wright, writing books with Marcus Rashford. You've gone full into the like the football space. Yeah, so that's considering, fun. Considering I didn't want to be a football journalist for most of my twenties, <laughs> I've ended up being a very good football journalist in my thirties. Right? That's funny. <sighs> This week, there's definitely a piece coming on Off Target. So there you go. It's about why I think referees are the cops. <laughs> so that's, that's are you building up on the conversation we had about Trent, uh, Andrew Robinson earlier in the season? Uh perhaps it stems from there. I've taken a month off because I felt just kind of tired over the past, and the NBA playoffs kind of took some steam out of me. So. I just took a month off of writing, but I'm back now. So that was a piece that if if it was a month ago, like could we trace it ab- around a month ago? Was that that? Because that's when I got the ago. idea. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's probably it stems from that probably. But the conversation anyway. we had in that podcast ended up being turned into a column that I got out the week United drew against Sevilla. So mm. yeah, about a month ago. There we go. So yeah, it probably stems from there around there. So anyway, where where do we start? You want to start with Champions League? Because why not? The um, so we have <laughs> we have the Milan Derby part two, uh inter of two nil if memory serves. What did you make of the first leg and what do you think is gonna happen later later today? What did I make of the first leg? Napoli, it was right there. Right? <laughs> right there. Napoli is better than both of those teams. Yeah. And they, I know winning the Scudetto for the first time in 33 years was amazing and phenomenal. And every single Napoli player is going to be regarded as a god by the Neapolitan people. But I can't stop myself from thinking Spalletti must have watched that semi-final going, oh, I could, have be- I could beat both of these teams. AC Milan was so poor in, that, in the first half. And yeah. yes, okay, they were missing Rafael Leal, but it could have been 4-0. What was your learning? No, I was. I think a lot of people had the right reading of the game, which was Inter's attack is good. And it's going to be how well does Milan's defense stop Inter's attack? Mm-hmm. And after the first, what was it, 15 or so minutes where Dzeko scores from a set piece, and I forgot who scored the second one. Ah, oh, was it Hakan? Did he score? No, it was um Mikatarian. Mikatarian scored. So, and then Hakan. No, did who who hit the post? Was it Hakan or was it? Yes, it was. Yeah. So like they, it was like a blitz in like those four or five minutes where it's like, oh, it could have been three 0 And then people correctly read that if Milan's defense holds. What do they have going forward without Liao? And Very little. It, the, the answer was basically nothing. It was basically Tio Hernandez. But then it was like, if your left back is your most th- is is your most threatening offensive player, what does that do to your defensive line? Mm. And that it left spaces. Luckily for <laughs> for 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 AC Milan, I mean they were playing Jekyll. <laughs> So it's not like the 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 center forward could go into the right and just kind of dominate that channel because it's Jekko. He's like 30-something. I feel like Lukaku really could have taken advantage of the spaces that Milan were leaving in behind. But if Jekko scores from the set piece, which was a crazy goal, by the way, like eye coordination on 11 out of 10, 
perhaps you just live with the goal that you scored. But I felt I felt like Inter could have really ended the tie, especially in that first half. Um, and maybe they have. Maybe like 2-0 is enough. But I, you're right. I feel like it could have been 3 or 4. But it's not like something we didn't see. Milano, I thought Ismo would win this tie. But here we are. Inter no, what? You, you thought Milan would win? I did. But hmm. also with the caveat of I don't watch as much Serie A as I'd like to. Right. So I'm still I still got the I still have last season's idea of what AC Milan is in my head. I also think one reason why AC Milan were pretty poor in the first leg was they just didn't adjust to the midfield injury. So mm. they lost their bit they've lost arguably their best midfielder. Um and by the time they adjusted they were a goal down. The game starts when? In like a matter of hours. Mm-hmm. I think Milan will play better today. But I don't think it'll be enough to win. I feel like the game's like it's a two-one, one-one game. But yeah, yeah, I think this game is done, and I think we're going to see Edin Dzeko play in a Champions League final, which I'm delighted for. I also think we're going to see Denzel Jumfries play in a Champions League final, which <laughs> I'm pulling the face and laughing a little bit to myself. Do you know he doesn't play badly on the big stages? So whenever, when, whenever the Netherlands get to like those major finals, whether it's the Euros or the World Cup, he somehow plays decently well. It's not like he's trash. It's just when you watch Inter in the league and you just you watch them against Sassuolo or you watch them against Girona or some team. It's just like, how is he a professional footballer at this level? But then when he gets to like the bright lights, he doesn't look bad. So maybe in the Champions League final, he might actually look decent. I like how you said somehow, because that's, that's the thing about Denzel Jumfries. He's a somehow player. Somehow this works. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's not I, quite Wambasaka. Like, I get Wambasaka. Like, when people put them, well, not them in the same boat, but like when people have that criticism of like, how is Wambasaka professional? I'm like, it's clearly obvious. Yeah. Dumfries is that other level of just like, hmm, are you just athletic? But then, like, he does things where it's like, oh, you like, I get it. But it, they're just very rare. The, the thing I said, so I said this when the Netherlands got knocked out of the World Cup on the TIFO podcast. In that Dumfries is an interesting play in that he he might have short circuited traditional footballing decision making because the thing I think about a lot is he will repeat something over and 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 over again. And where another football player might get discouraged, or another football player might go, This is not working, let me try something else. He will just blunt force trauma his way into making that plan A of his in a game come off. And when the lights are bright, sometimes that that's all you need. Do you know... He, do you, he's a very curious football player. I hope this doesn't mean... I hope no one take, goes away from this thinking I'm saying Dumfries is bad. I'm going away from no. this saying Dumfries is a very unusual football player. I don't think he's bad. I just think he's awkward. For, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. For for the level of football that he's in. And it's your, your, your example of doing the same thing over and over. It's like... You, you know, when you're playing the lottery, they say don't change up the numbers. You have yep. to play the same numbers because, uh, I mean, you're you're, you're not going to win the lottery. But if, <laughs> if you play it, your best chance is to play the same number over and over and over and over again. Like, you don't change even though the numbers do. I feel like that's kind of what he – that's that's what he does. He plays the same 7, 9, 3, 4, and he just plays 7, 9, 3, 4 all the time. And sometimes in some games that works. Other Other times you're not even close. But – it's better than switching up the numbers every time, maybe. Oh, I switch um, the numbers all the time when I play lottery. That's probably why I don't win. No, you don't win because you can't. Well said. Well said. <laughs> when when the like here they have like the Powerball, Super Bowl, whatever it's called. Yeah. I, don't, I don't play. But me- Mega Millions, Mega Millions, and Powerball. The the numbers get to like three billion, four billion, like uh, once a year, basically. Mm-hmm. And everybody just goes and buys a ticket. I'm not buying a ticket. You're not stealing two dollars from me, no. Um, On on the zero point zero zero, not 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 one percent chance that Uh, I'm gonna win. It's not even two dollars; it's three, I think. So so, no, I'm keeping my money. I talk about this with my friends quite often. In that, I will buy a lottery ticket if it is what I term retirement money. You know, if it's a lottery, if the lottery jackpot is enough for me to go, you know what. If I win this, I don't need to work again for a day in my life. What is, okay, but what is what is that figure? I'm not telling. I'm not making that public clear. That's like that's like <laughs> that's like two million. 
you need two million to never work again. You are frugal, man. <laughs> two mil. Two mil. Okay. Two mil. I'm, I'm, All right. So, I'm, you, so you get I'm two mil. I'm 32 years old. I'm you get two mil. You spend half without a house. Now what? A million on a house? Okay. Yeah, so this, bro. You need to learn about the London housing market. Is that's bad. what I was gonna say. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, oh shit, he's from London. So yeah, his his uh, his real estate is is quite different than the real estate that I, I might be dealing with. But then again, if I got if someone dropped like two three million in my lap, I feel like I could make it stretch. Fair. So I so but or I, or 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 it's 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 not that. See, your criteria is never work again. Uh-huh. My criteria would be only doing work that I want to do. Right. Which which means I'm still making money, but I don't have to do anything I never want to do again. Yes. Yes. That that's when I start playing the lottery. And if I win, if I win like five dollars, five pounds on that lottery, I feel great. And if I lose, I always go, Well, I've basically given money to charity because the lottery is in the, at least in the United Kingdom, a lot of that money goes. A lot of that money goes to charity and or goes to uh, Team Great Britain for the Olympics. And so interesting. That's how I write off my lottery thing. I do also say to my friends, if I buy more than, if I buy more than one lottery ticket in a month, that says a lot about how I feel about my job. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when they say how are you doing, and I go, I've got, I've, you know, I've bought quite a few lottery tickets them this month. They go, oh, you're trying to get out. <laughs> i feel you anyway so yeah i've never bought a lottery ticket in my life i don't think i ever will but either way dumfries plays the same numbers that's all i was um (laughs) dumfries plays the same numbers that's a really nice way to start an essay on dumfries you know you can have it um there's there's really nothing left there so city madrid what do you think can i just say it's going to extra time and be done with it (laughs) you think yeah, this one's going so it's time. one one. Yep. Apparently, City haven't lost in the Etihad since like 2019 or something like that. Yeah, they don't. So <sighs> technically, they could still not lose and get eliminated because penalties isn't really a loss, is it? It just goes as a draw. So if if, if you if you're opta, then uh, a draw and pen- if and it goes to penalties, then it's regarded as a draw and not losing. Mm-hmm. So. Technically, that could that run could still go. Technically, now I've seen a lot of people say that it's an advantage for City to have this second leg at their crib, and that's generally correct. However, Mm -hmm. Madrid, for basically my entire adulthood, have been better away from the Bernabeu than they have at their place. You sure? Definitely sure. That like numbers for that. It's a feeling, but I feel like my feeling is sure. Now, this season, I would have to check the actual numbers and look at the home away and see what's up. But generally, I feel like Madrid play better on the road or away if we're going to use European vernacular. I want to see that fact check. So, okay. So, I want to, like, I don't know what to think because I feel that way. I don't know. It's flip a coin. the score could literally be anything. It could be 5-2 either way. It could be 1-1. Somebody will score. So, like, I'm not going to say it's going to be nil-nil. That'd be foolish. But I have no idea what could happen. I've, and I feel like this is the final. Like, I don't think either of the Italian clubs will beat either of these two teams. You're not going to beat Madrid in a final. And if City so, make the final, they win. I really feel that as if we're treating this as too much of a foregone conclusion. So before the first, on the mon- last Monday, mm-hmm. I put a call out on Twitter and I went, look, I haven't watched that much of Inter Milan or Milan, AC Milan, or however <laughs> you want to describe it. Uh, I, I said, I've, you know, but I put the call out, I haven't watched too much about these two teams this season. Milan. Have you read something? Have you read something interesting on how these two teams play? Please send it to me. And I got more, I got maybe three things to read. And more than three suggestions of why are you bothering with that? The winner of Real Madrid, Man City win the Champions League anyway. And it can't be that obvious. There is another team that has to be there. The gap between the Milan clubs and Real Madrid is not so massive that it's a foregone conclusion. Surely not. Uh, and yet, the way the first leg of both teams went, like, oh no, it could be a foregone conclusion, which is... Oh, in another reality, we could be getting ourselves ready for Napoli versus Benfica. That would have been nice, wouldn't it? Just if Napoli made the final, that would make it just good football. Yep. But 
they conspired to not make that happen for us. Yeah. It's Oshawa was injured. Do you know so. this? This year has just been very annoying, in the sense of I wanted to see Barcelona against not Barcelona. What am I saying? Just a team that started with a B. I wanted to see Brazil against Argentina, mm-hmm. and we didn't get it in the semifinal. I'm gonna be mad at that until I die or I have like I don't know Alzheimer's or something. Like I'm gonna be quite angry that we didn't get that semifinal at that time. And Mm -hmm. I'm pissed that Napoli did not make the Champions League final because either against Madrid or City, I feel like that would have been just a really, really, really good game. I feel like if Inter or Milan make the final, I know what they're going to do. It's just going to be quite defensive and stale and boring. I mean, like you you want to see Dzeko starting? Dzeko or Giroud starting in a Champions League (laughs) final. I'm not... I'm not, respect I don't Jekyll. Want that. Respect Jekyll. Respect Jekyll. I mean, like, I don't disrespect him. It's just like, it's not fun. Like, it's not Osiman or Kavisha or... Nah. Like, I feel robbed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what. So, you know, uh, while, uh, there, uh, while there are some games that would be fun, there are some games that I just... I don't think a Brazil-Argentina semifinal would have been entertaining to watch. What? Right, I think they would have kicked absolute lumps out of each other, and while they would have the been fun of it, even if that <laughs> was true, you, 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 there are certain games where the narrative or where the thrill of the narrative might get in the way of actual football. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some games that I I'm just like unprepared for. I don't think there's any. Here's a good example. I am not prepared for a Manchester derby FA Cup final at the end of the, at the start of next month. Right, like this just—it just looks weird. I'm not ready for it. it I'm gonna be tense all game. I'm gonna be sweating. Um, someone also said, like the idea. Think about this. Would you like to watch a North London Derby Cup final? Yes. Really? It's nuts already. Why wouldn't <laughs> it? Why wouldn't I want to? Unless it's like, not, if it's the League Cup final, then maybe not. But. FA then it gets Cup, two nuts. Champions League? Could you imagine? Would um, you like to would you like to see a classico Champions League final? Yeah. Actually. Oh, you no. paused. Why did you pause? Because I was thinking I might want to see that in a semi-final more than a final. Because okay. Because I get two games rather than one. All right. But that was the pause. Just would a semi-final be better? But yeah, of okay. course, I like seeing like this Milan Derby in a semi-final. It's fun. Like I like uh, that. I like I like seeing rivals play at the latter end. I now I think I understand what you're saying, where it's just there's too much emotion, so the game of football isn't as good as it could be otherwise. But I feel like part of the enjoyment I get from football, or at least those kinds of matches, is the intensity. The uh, this person's trying way too hard. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to prove that, yeah, I, I I understand what this match is about, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I enjoy I enjoy those games. And the, the, the bigger the stage, the better. So, yeah, I'm just always going to be mad that Neymar didn't get to play against, uh, you know, Messi in a World Cup semifinal because I'm not going to put it on Fred. But the Brazilian <laughs> team decided, yeah. let's just not defend Croatia for the last five minutes. It was on. I, feel, I still feel bad for Neymar. That is one of the greatest goals I've ever seen. That ultimately means nothing. What I was thinking not about even, the game, I even, forgot he not, even, score, not even yeah. ultimately means nothing. That was one of the greatest goals I've ever seen that meant nothing within half an hour. Not even half an hour, like 10 minutes. He scored it at the end of the first extra time period. And then ten minutes later, fifteen minutes later, it was like, "Oh, we're going to penalties." So tough scene. I know. There's just because I and I knew Croatia weren't going to beat Argentina. So there's that. This is kind of why I feel about this. It's like if Napoli make the semi, or if if Napoli make the semi, then I know I well not that I know, but there's a chance that Napoli could like win the actual competition just because of, of the the style of football that they played all season. But I don't trust either these Milan teams to play up to the final mm. and if it's madrid like i your thing of uh whoever wins the madrid city tie they're going to win if it's madrid what evidence do we have that they'll lose a final like z- none 
the last team the last team to beat Real Madrid in a European final was Aberdeen. Is it in the eighties? It was Aberdeen under Sir Alex Ferguson in the European Cup Winners' Cup. So that's eighty four. That's forty years ago. <laughs> I think Chelsea beat them in like the seventies one time. Right. Was that, Wait, was, yeah. that was, was those Peter Osgood yeah. back days? Is that am I, it, am I sorry? Now? It might not. It might not be forty years ago. But in terms of the last team to beat Real Madrid in, in a European final, it's a manager who retired a decade ago in a competition that no longer exists. <laughs> Is it Aberdeen FC? Do I just type in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aberdeen. All right, hold on. Honors. Uh, 1983. UEFA Cup winners in so, 1983. Like 40 years ago. There you go. What was the final score? He's scrolling down. 2-1 in added time. The goal scorers were a man called Eric Black. Yep. And a footballer named John Hewitt. <laughs> Who's sixty years old right now? So there you go. <laughs> that was that was the last time they lost. So I mean, if Carl's correct, are are, are you sure you're right? I am eighty seven percent sure that's the last time Real Madrid lost the European final. If this was who wants to be a millionaire, would you'd be? Yep, final. I'd answer. be locked in final All right. answer. All right. So who do you think wins, Madrid or City in your in your penalty shootout? City. I think, uh, I hate to say, I really think this is Manchester City's year. Yeah. I've had that eerie feeling kind of the And whole please time. take me, I hate to say it, not talking as an objective journalist, but as a Manchester United fan. <laughs> I, felt me, I felt that. That's me hating. <laughs> oh, you know what? We have to talk about that. So you think Edison's better than Courtois? Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. So uh, actually, oh no, no, no. Should, okay, should, should no, I give on, proper on, context for this? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Defend the position, not whether you believe it or not. Although you did put it out in public, but how would you defend that position publicly? Okay, okay. So let let me give proper context for what you've just said. Okay. Before the first leg, Manchester City v Real Madrid, I was asked to come up with a combined eleven of Man City and Real Madrid players, and I will read out the 11 once it loads on my laptop from top to bottom i think i remember it you had Haaland, vinicius rodrigo you gotta start from the back so my my i had a all city back five Mm -hmm. back five including the goalkeeper so that is edison in goal at left back i had a kanji i had john stones i had ruben diaz and i had carl walker i then went for rodri as my deepest midfielder Kevin De Bruyne and Luka Modric, or Modric, I, I always get that slightly wrong. My apologies the there. Uh, I had Haaland up top. I had Vinicius Junior on the left and Rodrigo on the right. My argument was I'm going to keep the back four, back five that City have used to dismantle Arsenal recently in the 4-1. So I've got four centre-backs or three centre-backs there. John Stones can push up and help Rodri in rotation. And then you've got that very nice three centre-backs thing of a Kanji, you can take on 1v1 battles. John Stones, you can manage space. Uh, and you've got Carwell, who's good against transition defence. And then you've got Edison, who, in my opinion, is a very good shot stopper. He's very good with his feet. Uh, and his passing, kicking long, can help go over any attacking press. So that's why I went with Edison. He, I think he's nearly a good at... He's nearly as good as Quartar when it comes to the shot stopping, but I think what he offers with his feet is far better than what Quartar offers. It's in particular, his goal kicks where he can just drop it on a striker like Haaland. Okay, like that that defends the position. I think you're wrong, but okay. it defends the position. The reason I think you're wrong is I feel like a goalkeeper's first port of call, second port of call, third and fourth and fifth is how good are you at saving shots? And Courtois is a freak. In that department, he's six yes. foot seven, who with the agility of somebody who's like six two. So his ability to get down, and he's improved on this since maybe like 2013, 14, when mm-hmm. he came from Atletico. Like at Chelsea, sometimes the ball would get between his legs. Messi mm-hmm. did that to him twice, I believe, um, in one game. But he's improved in that department where you rarely see him getting nutmegged for goals through the five hole, as they would call it in hockey. <laughs> um, and he's such a good shot stopper. 
it's unlike De Gea, where his shot stopping is okay at this point. But mm-hmm. he's he's a disaster in distribution. Courtois isn't a disaster in distribution, <laughs> and disaster. he's so good. He's so good at the shot stopping that I can't see. There's no keeper I would want more than Courtois. On top of what he gives in terms of commanding the box and his aerial ability and all of that, like there's no keeper I would want above him. I think this is the thing of. <sighs> am I saying Courtois is a better goalkeeper than Edison? Or am I saying Edison's a better goalkeeper than Courtois? Kind of, but not really. Am I saying and much? <laughs> am I saying I want Edison in a team to in a combined eleven to go up against the monsters? Yeah, because I want. I feel like Courtois compl- is the monster, though. He's like the big. You know when they made Muxy Bowes bigger than he should have been yeah, when he was yeah, the yeah. monster. Like that's Courtois. He's like I. Th- I he's think, like go go uh, gadget arms. Plus, so like, my, no my, argument, my argument for this combined 11 and the reason why, so I went for the same back five because I think they know each other very well and I think they've all got complementary strengths and weaknesses. You know, you could easily drop a Kanji for Alaba, Alaba even, and put him on at left back or you could play a more orthodox left back. But I thought if you keep a Kanji with those four, that works really well. And also you get the benefit of pushing John Stones up forward in the... Uh, into the DM position, which he's been doing a lot recently. I think John Stones is, I think this season, John Stones has put forward a very compelling argument to be regarded as one of the best centre-backs in the world, which is funny because there's, you, if you go through the archives, there's times where I've been very mean to John Stones. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then I think that midfield three of Rodri, Casemiro, Casemiro, there you go, slip of the tongue, of Rodri, uh, De Bruyne and... Luca is very good at using possession both as an attacking tool but also as a defensive one in that. And if you are making a team with Rodgerina as your DM, you need to keep the distance between Rodgerina and your other midfielders not too big. Um, and a great way to make sure that distance isn't too big is by having someone like Luka Modric next to him. And then up front, I went with... <laughs> I'm going to keep saying, pronouncing his name in different ways throughout the podcast. That's my No, it was the way that your correct pronunciation of Modric changed the word next Oh, I see. Um, and then, uh, in terms of up front, I'm surprised you didn't go. Why have you gone with Rodrigo up front rather than? No, no, no. I, I love Bernardo Rodrigo. Silva or anyone else. All right, you know, well, that's Premier League bias when people say, "Where's Bernardo Silva instead of Rodrigo?" You don't watch enough Madrid, clearly. Because I think Rodrigo now, in terms of when the lights are bright, Rodrigo is one of the best players. Madrid fans are arguing who is better, Rodrigo or Vinicius. And nobody would argue Vinicius shouldn't be in there. Yep. So that's so. his level. Now, I don't argue the midfield and the the attacking three. Like, that's fine. I would probably want Kamavinga as left back, but I understand yep. your idea of wanting continuity. And if ever people try to make me make combined 11s, my tendency is the center backs are one thing. So I would never put Militao and uh, John Stones. Because the center backs are two. Like you get Terry and Vidic. Like, oh, what am I saying? You get Terry and Carvalho. You get Rio and Vidic. Like those, those they come together. Like you don't separate those two. So putting Diaz and Stones, that's fine. The fullbacks I can have fun with. The goalkeeper I can have fun with. Although I could see if 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 you if you made the argument that I want Ederson, Stones, and Diaz together. Mm-hmm. As like a triad, like yep. fine. I would uh, like you know that that <laughs> that that defends the position. Um, you know, you know when you got to move the knight backwards to defend the position, like in chess or something like that. Yep. Like it it does enough to hold your position together. I'm like, okay, I I get it. Um, but if it's just nah, I just think X is better than Y. Well, it's like they, you have to like show your math on that one. Okay. So anyway, all right, this is gonna be our break. And we will come back and we will talk about Manchester United and Manchester City and Liverpool and Arsenal. So there you go. See you in a bit. Are you guys going to miss top four? When I say you guys, I mean, you know, your club, your Red Devils, your... No. No. You sure? Are you confident? I've never been afraid of United dropping out of top four. It doesn't... I'm not not flustered. I am unique in that. (laughs) So when when I'm on Talk of Devils, a lot of the chat is all about Manchester United possibly dropping out of the top four if because of the way Liverpool are playing or because of the way Newcastle are playing. I spent the entire time going, not worried. 
just not worried. Just win, win your games and don't and stop wasting time. Your benefit is that Newcastle might be in a worse place. I think United's benefit is they've got a game in. Well, they've played fewer games than Liverpool, and yeah. they play fewer games against Liverpool. Their running is fairly straightforward, and the majority of those games are at home. So, if as long as Manchester United don't drop points or only draw when they drop points, they're going to be fine. It doesn't It doesn't matter what Liverpool's doing. It doesn't matter what everyone else is doing. United mm-hmm. are in pole position for securing a top four place. So just win the games. And if you can't win the games, then you don't deserve to be in top four anyway. Yeah. That's it's it. just, it's half open. I were talking last week about how Chelsea and Liverpool had a game earlier in the year, maybe January, December time or something like that. And it was like a mid-table clash and people, you know, were poking fun. I think it was eighth place against ninth place. Ninth, yeah, I remember that. And how Liverpool have even got themselves into this point where I think they've won seven straight. Um, Obviously, they only have two games left. You guys have three. So do Newcastle, I believe. I think they have three games left. Um, How they've gotten here is a testament to Klopp and that team just figuring out ways to win. And if you juxtapose that with how Chelsea have gone, where, you know, they <laughs> Graham Potter and Frank Lampard, well, I mean, it's gone in completely different directions. I think know. this is a good thing of Liverpool's problem was their best players were getting old and fatigued. And also there were just loads of injuries. Mm-hmm. So one, why, is, why have Liverpool switched it on towards the end of the season? One reason is, Jordan Henderson's playing more games. Fabinho's playing more games. Right? Another massive reason is also Trent Alexander-Arnold is playing more as a central midfielder now. Right, They're I, doing this. I wanted this his whole career. I, I did not want it, but fair play. Jurgen Klopp's found a way to make it work because Trent isn't starting as a central midfielder. He's moving in. He's inverting He's from Klopp. I, I feel like Klopp saw what Pep was doing with his fullbacks and was like, all right, fine, I'll try it. Some version of we're, we're going to try inverted Trent something. It's inverted Trent, but it's a box midfield. So when what Trent does is he comes up and Fabinho pushes left. And so those two are a box midfield. And then you've got Curtis Jones and or another player pushes up to join the other midfielder. Mm-hmm. So you get that box midfield. Uh-huh. Now, the problem, bef- the problem before was when Trent was pushing up on the right-hand side. Or when there Trent was, was no pushing one there up, to cover. There was no one there to cover. But on this box midfield, the back three centre-backs now will shuffle over. Uh-huh. And that's better when you're back three, one one of the members of the back three is Kanate, because Kanate is Fast. very, very mobile and very, very agile. So that's why this is working, right? Gotcha. Jurgen, right, Klopp yeah. is, Jurgen Klopp's figured out Liverpool because his, his better players are coming back from injury. Jota's come back, Luis Diaz has come back and whatnot. And he's found a way to get Trent on the ball in more dangerous areas. Hmm. Chelsea's problem is they're just there's just too many players, <laughs> right? There's just so many. Shout shout out to Dan from Touchline Fracas. He posted, I think he's the one that posted this. He he runs uh the Chessy Hour Twitter handle. And he he's quite meticulous, I feel like, with like how players score goals, how they when they score goals, the numbers that they score, the ratios, and even the type of teams that win leagues. So I think for the past few years, he has this table of how many players teams use to win the league. And it's never more than 22, 23 players. So I think Chelsea used somewhere like 18 players regularly in uh, the 17th season with Conte. And I think he had City using 20, 21, Liverpool using 18s, and City have used around 20 to 23 players in the times that they've won the league. Basically, players who start more than five games, I think, is 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 what is the metric he used, or maybe more than three. Um, Chelsea have two squads. Mm-hmm. I think they have forty first team players. So it, if yeah. I'm, I have no idea, but we've, it feels we've, like we've around thirty. This, we've written thirty-five. It's way too many players. There was points in when Graham Potter was in charge where he there were just too many players, and he had to run two different training drills. They so, they had players dressing outside of the dressing room. Yeah. Madueki didn't doesn't have a locker. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, as, I thought that was funny, about, but hold on. When we're talking about players not having space, like it's to the point where some of these players don't have lockers. That that's why they're getting changed in the corridor. It's because they don't have lockers yet. Or if they did, they'd have to take the lockers away from the other twenty-three players. 
Amen. There is literally not enough space. <laughs> so you've got, this, that locker, bro. <laughs> you've got this situation where you've got that. You've also got a bunch of players who are coming back from loan. Now, if you're cut, I've, I've said this multiple times. If you're Kalamut Nadoi right now, what are you thinking? Sell me. You had a great season at Bayer Leverkusen as well. So anywhere you need to get, you need you got to be willing to take a pay cut. If you're, oh. if you're, um, forgive me, I cannot. My Conor Gallagher. No, the eighteen-year-old oh. came over from Aston Villa. Oh, Carney Chekwomeka. Thank you. What's he thinking right now? He must be looking at Jacob Ramsey, going, "Wait, I was touted better than you." Uh-huh. And Ramsey's kicked on to become a fantastic player under Unai Emery, and now might be pushing for an England squad players. Whereas Charney has been told he can't feature for England in the under twenty World Cup. Wow! For the last six now, years that we've done this, this pod, it's let like me flip this to you. Don't go to Chelsea. I've said this for years. Then let's flip this. It's mm-hmm. been announced this week that the new manager, or <laughs> the head, the head coach, new, new head coach manager for next season will be Pochettino. Okay. How are you feeling? All right, I need to pull up the tweet that I wrote. You know, you know, Doc Rivers got fired, by the way. I know. Very, very sad news. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the skit that the, the what's his name, Mark Phillips, did about? Yep. Doc, yeah, it's basically that. Aha! Here we go. So, these are the list of teams that, according to. Gilliam Balaga, Pochettino was offered. Benfica, Athletic Bilbao, Aston Villa, Nottingham Forest, Sevilla, Villarreal, Nice, and Leeds. Those are teams from a very, very, very uh, widespread, aren't they? But other than Benfica, I don't look at any of those teams and think, oh, that's Chelsea's level. So that's where I'm at with the Pochettino hire, is that the, the type of clubs that wanted him after his reputation fell at PSG are not of a particular great standard or quality. They might have history or they may be aspiring to be there, but they're, they're not what Chelsea considers themselves to be. And maybe that needs a rethink of what Chelsea are. And, you know, maybe that is Chelsea's level, but Nottingham Forest, eh, Leeds, eh, like those are relegation teams. Like Chelsea are in the relegation battle, so maybe so 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 maybe there is a level of like alliance or allegiance there, but that's not where Chelsea are aspiring to be. You don't sixty was it sixty what million are, euros? What, what are Chelsea? Six hundred million euros. I think they're aspiring to be one of the best teams in Europe and a Premier League contender, a Premier League title contender every every season. From when? Immediately, you don't. They spent six hundred million euros. They spent, close to, they spent close to a billion in those two transfer windows. So you think from, you think Pochettino's job next season is make us contend for the Premier League title? That's what it should be. I think they'll spin it into. Ooh, last... ooh, 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 hang on, hold on. Let me land. Let you, me land. You 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 asked the question. Yeah, you didn't answer <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, no 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 no. I'm I'm getting to the answer. That's what his his remit should be is getting Chelsea into. Just the title race. However, I think because of how bad this season was, they will spin it into we're just that we're we're building again. We just want top four and building it the slow way, basically. So basically, he's coming into a great situation for himself because Chelsea have been so bad, and Potter and Lampard have been so disastrous that he just needs to be. Oh, we're no longer in the second, the bottom half of the table. We're eighth. Seventh, sixth, fifth, somewhere there, and fans will be happy, or at least they will see progress. Okay, and progress will it will in itself sustain him. All right, here's another question. I'm going to get up the Premier League table right now. It's always fun when you look at the Premier League table past the top six and outside the relegation zone. You're like, oh wait, I didn't realize that team was 12. <laughs> guess which guess which team is 12th right now, Dan? Chelsea. No, it's Palace. Where's okay. Chelsea? Chelsea's 11th. Chelsea's 11th. They yeah. have 43 points. Right now, Manchester City are top with 85 points. <laughs> Arsenal second, 81. Mm-hmm. Newcastle have 66. Man United have 66. Liverpool have 65. Okay. And this is three games left for, between the end of the season. So it's looking like any team who's finishing in the top four next season will need points. to get 70 points. Chelsea right now have... 
like I said before, 43 points. How many losses? 43 points and 14 losses. <laughs> Put that into context. <laughs> Put that into context. Brentford have 53 points and nine losses. Oh, man. Chelsea okay. have been And uh, I, I was talking to the Brentford writer at work about this. The day that the week where Chelsea won the Champions League is the same week where Brentford got promoted to the Premier League. Mm. I think there's and, there's and now three Brentford, West London Brentford, clubs. Brentford will now finish above Chelsea no matter what. I think um, Fulham is above Chelsea as well. Like of the Fulham's West London Chelsea. clubs, Chelsea's bottom. Yeah, Fulham is above Chelsea by four points. Chelsea could still finish ahead of Fulham. Okay. Chelsea, 43 points right now. Seems like you need 70 points to finish in the top four. How many points? Right, so based on let's let's assume, let's you know let's pretend something happens and Chelsea don't buy any more players in the summer. Yep. Lol 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 lol. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone who's everyone who they loan is coming back. Right. And Pochettino can sell, but he cannot buy. Mm-hmm. How many points? Is Pochettino finishing next season with? All right, so let's let's say that means Lukaku starts at striker. Mm-hmm. Let's say they bring Levy Kowal back from Brighton. Let's say Reese James and Chilwell somehow have a fit season and mm-hmm. they don't miss more than hey, two, if Reese James doesn't. You still got Malagusto. True. Uh, let's say that they don't miss more than a few games. The the like the team can't be so dependent on the fitness of Angolo Kante. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I'll ask you this: Does is Mason Mount sold or does he stay? Um, no, there's no way Pochettino is saying Mason Mount. Okay, so if you have Mount in midfield, well, I well, it's the thing of that's a good question. If Mason Mount is open to talk, listening to what Pochettino has to say. Pochettino is not going to sell Mason Mount. You'd be mm. s- Mason Mount is one of the perfect midfielders for a Pochettino system. I would say if if you bring me Lukaku mm-hmm. and you bring me another center back, which I think Colwell is pretty decent from what I've seen with with Brighton. It's very good. I think Pochettino could turn him to the next Alderweireld, especially with those long diagonals. 65 points next season. 65. It's so it's you, not going to be okay. enough for top four. It's going to be like a Europa League kind okay. of vibe. Okay. Because, again, uh, there, there are too many players in the squad that I don't think they're going to be able to ship. Okay. You, right. you, so, you, you might be able to get rid of like players like Ziyech. I don't think the money that Havertz is going to be offered – like I don't think anybody's going to – Meet the 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 offer that Chelsea would want for Havertz. Um, maybe Gallagher gets sold because it's just an easy one to to make happen. Thirty forty million, and he leaves, and he goes and becomes a star somewhere. Um, okay, but yeah, right. six, so, six, 65 points, sixty four maybe. Is... So you say sixty five points. So don't finish it. And um, according to our game, that's not enough for finishing the Champions League. No. Do you think the champ? Do you think the Chelsea fan base will accept that? Yes, because of how bad this season. This is what I was trying to say. Because of how bad this season has been, sixty-four points and just the the appearance of improvement will be enough. Now the season after that second season, where okay, you've you've gotten to the Europa League. Maybe maybe it's enough, depending on how the season goes, to get fourth. But I doubt it. Um, that next season will be okay. This is this is your squad now. You've had a season, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Now it's time to compete for all the things that Chelsea are supposed to be or are told that uh, that they're meant to be. So I feel like the 24-25 season will be the one where right. it gets judged. But 23-24 is just don't make it a repeat of 22-23. As we're talking. Sky Sports News has just reported that Ivan Tony has been in front of a disciplinary panel oh, oh. over his betting offenses. So, has there been a ruling, or is it just nothing yet? No, it's just yeah. been reported by Sky Sports. It's just come up on my phone now. So if, we will if, most if, if likely he gets suspended, find out sometime. In the next if he gets of days. suspended, does the summer count to the suspension? I or? have no idea. Oh, so I, like if, I, if they suspend him, like, well, oh, well, 
I, I would. This is the better question. Do they suspend him for games or do they suspend him for time? I genuinely have no idea. Well, I genuinely have no idea. I know that Kieran Trippier was suspended for time rather than games. Okay. So that's what I would wonder. Like, if, if they suspend him six months, that must start immediately when they say you're suspended, which means May, June, I'd July, August. The amount of betting offenses Ivan Tobin has been stands charged with is unprecedented. And the closest analog we have is Kieran Trippier's suspension. What about Barton? No. In terms of a high case, I think in terms of high case and recency, mm-hmm. I think the closest one we have is Kieran Trippier. But even then, Kieran Trippier was playing in La Liga at the time as well. And it was a very much a, yeah, go on then, rather than a, yeah, go on then recommendation to a friend, mm-hmm. rather than what Tony's done, which is repeatedly bet on games. So... This this could be an unprecedented whatever wherever the decision is made. I don't think it's going to be something we've ever seen before. What okay, let's say he gets suspended for six months. Hell, let's say it's a year. Let's say he gets let's say he gets suspended for a season. Would you still buy him? Who's you? Manchester United, Chelsea, anybody think, that and, and anybody that Manchester needs a striker. I don't think Manchester United should buy Evan Tony. It's been something that's been talked about a lot among some sections of the fan base, but I don't think I think the money quoted around Ivan Tony, even if they take But if he gets suspended for a year, it's not gonna be the one hundred million that Thomas Frank is talking about. It's gonna be somewhere like it must hit his evaluation quite then seriously. We'll I'm not ready I'm not gonna give a comment on that until I see the evaluation. But right. there's nothing that you know, if you are gonna spend the amount of money that Manchester United should spend on a striker, there are Better many, options. many, many yeah. players I put in front of Ivan Tony. No, that's really mean. There are not many, many players I put in front of Ivan Tony. There's there are at least two. Five. Five. Okay, Kane or I'm, I'm not naming them. <laughs> Hold on, I'm thinking of the five strikers that who with who else is there? There are that's the problem with center forwards. I mean, I think maybe you would think Tammy Abraham, but I wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> I like this. I like this game we're playing where we're both not recommending players that we're we're well acquainted with. <laughs> I just I watched Abraham in the Champions League game against Leverkusen. He he wasn't yeah, something's off. Um, you mean the Europa League game? Europa League, sorry. Um, yeah, something something was off there. Ah, uh, like you wouldn't say Vlaovic, would you? No, I don't. No. particularly. I find him a very <laughs> unusual. Yeah, I, there aren't that many. Like again, they don't make number nines like they used to, which is why the evaluation for someone like Tony, I like you hear a hundred million from Frankie, you know, like oh, you're talking crazy. But there aren't that many great number nines out there who you just go for. That I mean, you wouldn't get Lukaku again. Like th- it, there's nowhere to go. Like that's why Darwin was a hundred mil. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Last, oh, lastly, lastly. Was it euros? I think the add-on price for Darwin Nunes might get it might reach a hundred. Um, it's always fun to talk in euros because you can actually slap a hundred. You can just say a hundred. So like someone like Anthony, you can just call him a hundred. <laughs> you a nasty. Mud- you a nasty. Mudrick. Mudrick. He's a hundred. <laughs> you a nasty instigator. <laughs> ah, Chelsea spent a hundred million for Mudrick. That's funny. Um, okay. Last last words. I, I want to get you because I don't know when we'll talk again. So your feeling on what Manchester City have done in the league, and your feelings about Arsenal. So you 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 can you, you can take as much time here as you like, and then we can leave. It was happening. Remember, we we said this the last time we talked at length, which was a month ago. Which was Arsenal need to do whatever they can because City are going to put on the afterburners. I, do you know what? I was doubting that the afterburners existed, but they exist. They exist. I will never doubt it again. They exist. We. The, what was it I said? I said it would take something extraordinary for Arsenal to not win the Premier League. The problem is, for so long, Manchester City have been extraordinary. So mm. there we have it. Hang on. There was a stat for this that, that I looked up the other day. I say the other day. I mean, literally yesterday. And I don't like using the word literally, but it was literally yesterday. Okay. So, <laughs> so here's the stat. You know, so here's the thing about Manchester City is that we often, the, throughout the season, most people went, that 10 winning, that 10 game winning run is coming. 
Yeah. That 10 or 12 game winning run is going to come. And we all know it's going to happen. And it is so predictable now with this Manchester City team that at some point in the season, they're going to just win 10 games in a row or 12 games in a row. Okay. In the entire history of the Premier League, there have been 14 runs where a team has won more than 11 games in a row. 14. Pep Guardiola has five of them. Do you have who has the others? No. Damn. Right? The victory over the victory over Everton was the eleventh consistent was the eleventh consecutive win that City did. Right. Uh, last season they won twelve in a row. The season before that, where they won fifteen in a row. In eighteen nineteen they won fourteen in a row, and in seventeen eighteen they won eighteen games in a row. This is not normal. <laughs> it, they've made it normal. This is not normal, <laughs> and yet everyone now knows that there's there's going to be a point next season where City are going to win tw- ten games in a row. We all know this. And well, yet. okay. Aren't, aren't they going to the well a bit too much? Like, okay, ne- next season will be the season where I'm going to doubt them again. Like, eventually <laughs> I'll be right. Next season, <laughs> next season, next season, I might start doubting them again. But then I might have to say the horrible thing of, oh, we have to doubt City because they're going to have to send some of the squad away for the club work. <laughs> you know, I was going to say. Mm. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think. So Mourinho must have done that once. Conte did it once. Conte did it. S- Sir Alex clearly must have done it. Mm-hmm. Has did Wenger win that many games in a row once? I did know. they have like a double digit? Win? They this must is, have. This is this is one for the listeners to, to tell us. Yeah. Tomorrow. But anyway. I need to start wrapping up. So let's wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was it. So this has been the Talking Texas podcast, guys. We thank you for listening, Carl. Thank you for being Bruce Wayne and uh, coming to rescue us. Um, yeah. Maybe you can find out what's going on with HH. Maybe you put your detective skills to, <laughs> to good use. <laughs> anyway, 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 I'm glad everybody's all right. That's, that's I'm glad right everyone's all right. So. Quick, quick one, quick one, quick one, quick one, quick one. Right here, right now, it's the 16th of May. No one's kicked the ball in the Champions League semi in the Champions League semi-final second legs yet. Who wins the Champions League final? My heart wants to say Madrid, mm-hmm. but my head is telling me City. So Manchester City. Okay. And I, I trust my head more than my heart, I think. Okay. So, yeah. What, what's your answer? Are you not? I'm not. I'm going to say Inter Milan for the bench. Maybe Edin Dzeko's got something for Pep Guardiola. Who knows? All I said was Inter Milan's going to win. The thought that just flashed in front of my head was like, if you're Lukaku and you win the Champions League with Inter and Chelsea want to take you back, should you go? That is a discussion that we will have next week, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, we'll if, have that discussion. Because when, Chelsea when has to. Inter get to the, the final. His fate is in their hands, but like I wouldn't want that. Anyway, this has been the Talking Tactics Podcast. We thank you guys for listening. Carl, where can people get you once more? You can find me on Twitter, Anchorman616. You can find my writing over on The Athletic. You can find my videos over on the Tifo IRL YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And if you're All Manchester United oh. in podcast form, you can listen to me on Talk of the Devils. Carl's link will be in the description. I'm at Daniel to look. We got to go. So Talking Tactics Podcast, sometimes funny, sometimes serious. Always football. <laughs> well, I don't know why they feel the need to sing it every time. But anyway, peace, guys. Peace, peace. Peace. You and HH, you, you both sing the song. It's funny. Sports Social Podcast Network.